Today we continue our Advent series and the season on the promise. The Bible is full of promises from God's to God's people, and there is one life-changing promise we celebrate every Christmas. That is God's promise of a Savior named Jesus. So we continue to join us each week as we continue to look at the the first of the second this time of the four people of the first people to see this incredible promise fulfilled. See, God promised in Isaiah's day was coming when a Messiah would arrive and usher in a government of peace. And the angels brought good news to the lowly shepherds and confirmed that a new and unexpected way to govern is coming to pass that will indeed bring peace on earth. Today we focus on the shepherds and the peace on earth. My brother Rick comes to bring the message this morning. was so gratefully able to preach, which allowed me to attend Hannah's concert, uh, choral concert Saturday night, to have a you know, conference from 1 to f- uh, 3 o'clock, uh, 4 o'clock actually, uh, on Saturday, and to be able to watch that big game after I got done with all that, and I'll be working on a sermon. So Rick, I appreciate your faithfulness always, and let's say a prayer over him as he brings the message today. Gracious God, as Rick brings this message today on peace, may it speak into our hearts. May it be the words you've given him to say, and may there even be something extra that you're going to pour into him now in these moments through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let our hearts be at peace, not from the absence of conflict, but from the presence of you. Speak into these words now, and let us both here and at home listen with ears that can hear. Everybody said together, Amen. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, most of you are awake. That's good. Last week, we took a look at the first theme of this Advent season. It's called hope. We discovered a man named Simeon who, was faith, who had faithfully waited for the arrival of the promised Savior. Today, we're turning our attention to the second theme of Advent. You see that on our Advent wreath today. It is that of peace. I don't know about you all, but in a world of joy and peace of Christmas season, it seems to come at the same time every year as the level of anger and frustration increases. Christmas time is a time of joy and peace and hope. And when I go outside the church, and <clears throat> sometimes in the church, just going to say it what it is, you know? Sometimes even in the church, what we see is the frustration and chaos and, and anger that, that the holiday season and all of the craziness can occur, can, can cause. Every family wants to experience peace at Christmas. Every individual wants to experience peace at Christmas. But too often, we find ourselves in the middle of conflict and chaos. But the interesting thing is is that much of the Bible was written by people who found themselves in the midst of conflict and chaos. The collection of psalms, for example, is a testimony of the psalmist calling out to God to bring them peace, Find and finding peace in the midst of the struggle. And it's this, and it's this kind of give and take. Lord, I want peace. I want hope. I want all of this stuff. And then suddenly, thank you, God, for the peace that you give me. I'm going to speak about that in a second. 
Another example is one of the prophetic promises of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah addresses the need for a new leader who will come and be the Prince of Peace. They believed that God was faithful and that he always kept his promises. And so they eagerly waited, waiting for the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, we read these words. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time forward. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now understand, this is way before Jesus even came to this world. But these were the words that were said about Jesus. Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. The promise of God that Isaiah speaks of is the promise of a coming ruler who would usher in a new government that will have no end. There will be a child who will be born, a son, who will be the wonderful counselor, mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. This is not the reality of the time of its writing, but it gave hope and peace to the Jewish people, and it reminded them that God had not forgotten them. Take a look at the news. Look at the struggles of our beloved United Methodist Church. More so now than ever before, we need to hear those words again. You see, the promise of Isaiah, my friends, was not a promise that just was fulfilled with Jesus coming the first time as a baby. The promise of Isaiah is alive for us today because just as sure as Jesus came, died, and was resurrected, the Bible says He will come again and He will usher in His kingdom on earth. So this Advent season isn't a practice of past experiences. It is actually a practice of the times that are coming. It gives us hope and courage in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our craziness. It gives us the ability to see that God has a plan for you and for me. So if we need to be honest, we all seek to find peace. We all come to the world and we all long we all seek for peace to come to the world and we all long to see God's fulfillment, His promise of the one who will rule. Hundreds of years later, that came in the person of Jesus. The Bible says that He's coming soon to fulfill that promise again for us. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12, we see that promise being fulfilled the first time. Now imagine with me, if you would, the, the picture on the right is actually Shepherd's Field, just outside of Bethlehem. It is about a three-minute, four-minute car drive, but, but probably a 30 or 40-minute walk, if not more, because of, because of the terrain and all that was going on. And that's today. I don't even want to imagine what it was like without the roads and the paving and all of that stuff before. Imagine, at night, 
these dudes were sitting around doing the work that they were supposed to be doing. Stinky, smelly guys taking care of stinky, smelly animals. Okay? And just on an aside real quick, we are called sheep. Don't take that as a compliment. Sheep are stupid. Sheep are hard-headed. Sheep need herders because they don't get it. (laughs) All of those pictures of the nice, cuddly, nice, meow, no. They will bite you. They will sneak up on you and butt you. They will do... Does that sound like people? Wait a minute. They were taking care of these sheep. They were doing their job. Verse 8 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone upon them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Stop. Whenever the angel of the Lord says, Do not be afraid, be afraid. Your world is getting ready to be rocked. Okay? With me? Do not be afraid, they said. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. So here's where we are. In the field outside of Bethlehem, there is a group of shepherds who are watching their flocks. Now typically, when you think about the shepherds in the Christmas story, we think of those cute little boys Because it's little dudes that are always in the manger in the church. They're cute. They smell good. They almost behave. That's not who they were. The shepherds of the ancient Near East were anything but cute. They were sometimes considered the lowest of all of the Jewish society. They were a nomad group, which means that they just went from place to place and really... The place that they called home was the place that they were at that particular point in time. They were generally single young men without children. They were considered second class and untrustworthy, and yet they were the first people to be told of the Messiah's birth. Let me say that again. They were not kings and queens. They were not the upper echelon. They were the workers of the world. They were second class, sometimes untrusted. But they were the first people that God came to give hope, to give peace in the midst of the chaos that was going on in that time. Why is this important to know? First, the peace of Christ is for everyone. We don't get to choose who is worthy of peace. The hope, joy, peace, and love that arrived at the time of the birth of Christ is not just for the powerful and perfected. The child who is born is for everybody, everywhere. The peace that will come with his leadership and rule, and not for the ones that are already in power, but for the ones that are scratching and clawing just to make it another day. You see, the promise of hope and peace of Christ 
is for all people, including, especially for those that are struggling in the midst of the chaos. The people who we choose to pause to care for are angels. A room in the end, guys. Mother is in need. Christmas came so that they might find peace. Christ came so that they might experience new life and new possibilities and new hope. If you don't feel like you're worthy of peace, the peace that is found in Jesus, just know that you're in good company. There are a bunch of people that feel that way. But hear this. The message of peace is for you. An angel of the Lord appeared to those men in the fields. Their first response was absolute terror. Be there too. I mean, just just stop for a second and think about it. You're minding your own business and then this bright light comes and these dudes come, these dudes or dudettes, I don't know, come down from the sky and and begin to talk to you. It ain't supposed to be that way. They say, don't be afraid. Translate it. Find some peace here. Yeah, right. The first word spoken over their shepherds and I believe over us today are the words of peace. You don't have to be afraid, one translation said. My friends, though you're facing a painful situation, don't be afraid. God's with you. If you're facing something that feels insurmountable, don't be afraid. God is with you. You may be facing an unfavorable diagnosis. Don't be afraid. You may be struggling to restore a relationship. Don't be afraid. You might be anxious about the circumstances that swirl all around you. Don't be afraid. Here's why. The angel says he brings good news of great joy and hope to all the people. I'm just going to be honest with you. Numerous times in my life when I worked in healthcare, and even more times in my life as a pastor serving congregations and now working for the general church, people will walk up to me and say these words I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which do you want first? That strikes the fear of God in my heart. Because no matter how good the good news is, the bad news is there, apparently, and they felt it necessary to bring me both. I always ask for the good news first. And the reason for that is, is I need to have something that will bring me peace before the chaos of the bad news comes. How about you? Maybe you could use some good news today. Because your spirit does not know peace. In the arrival of Jesus Christ, we are given the good news. Good news, and the good news is this. You have not been forgotten by God. Let me say it again. 
You have not been forgotten by God. In fact, He has come to be with you in the midst of your struggle. He was born in the city of David. He is the Messiah and the Lord. He is in charge. He is the King. He is the one you have been waiting for. So accept it. Find peace in Him because He has not forgotten you. Second thing. Ready for this? Chaos happens. Sometimes you didn't do anything to cause the chaos except your breathing. Chaos has a way of finding us. And we all, at least I always believe, that my peace is going to come once the chaos ends. That's not the promise of God. I believe the promise of God is, is that God will give you peace in chaos, in the middle of chaos. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the presence of God. Peace is not the absence of conflict or chaos. It is the presence of God. The peace that Jesus brings into our lives is not necessarily the, uh, the absence of trouble. Instead, it is the confidence that we go through that trouble, that change, that possibility, not by ourselves, but with God. The kind of peace that comes with the fulfilled promise of old looks different than what we might expect. So many people today say, I look forward to a time when I can find peace. This whatever, and you can put whatever problem you've got in your life right now in that blank. This whatever needs to go and then I will find peace. Absolutely wrong. You see, true peace can be experienced in the midst of the chaotic world that we live in when we recognize that peace is not about our circumstance, but it's about the one who is faithful to walk with us even through the most difficult times of our lives. I think back for a few minutes. Every so often, I take a few minutes and think about the craziness that was going on in Bethlehem. I've had the opportunity and... A couple folks from church will have an opportunity in January with me to go to Bethlehem and kind of walk around the streets. And and today, Bethlehem is crazy. I can only imagine what it was like in the time of the census when everybody and their brother, literally, was coming to town. The Bible said that in the midst of all of that craziness, the Son of God was born and peace came to earth. It wasn't after the census was taken. It wasn't after everybody went home. It wasn't after all the rooms had been cleaned and there were more spaces. It was in the midst of all of the nuttiness, all of the craziness, all of the uncertainty, all of the stuff that the Prince of Peace came into this world. The angels brought good news. A child has been born in the town of David. He will be the better king who will rule with peace. Luke is borrowing from the prophetic promise of Isaiah and keying in on the time when the nation of Israel will know peace. I believe Luke speaks to us today 
in the midst of all of the chaos, the pandemics, the, the craziness, the wars, the rumors of wars, the nuttiness, the arguments, the, the screaming, the yelling, all of the stuff that's going on in the midst of our lives that Luke is taking from the prophet Isaiah that the King will come and is coming and is here in the midst of us and will give us peace. And interestingly enough, David was considered a pretty good king. But this time, the angels suggested it would be even better than David. This time, the baby who would be wrapped in clothing and lying in a manger was the God of the universe who had moved into the neighborhood and decided to live among us. Eugene Peterson says it this way. The word became flesh and put on clothes and hung out with us. That's who this Jesus is. Luke uh, Luke 2, verse 13 continues. It says, Suddenly with a great cloud, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those of whom favor rests. The song ends by saying, Peace will come for all who God's favor falls upon. So, do you want to find peace? You must receive God's favor. It's pretty easy, right? God's favor, however, comes from being at peace with God. The story of the Bible reveals that the most important place where we need to experience peace is not within the relationships and circumstances around us. The greatest need for peace is between us and the holy God. The book of Romans tells us that the rule that governs us most is the rule of sin, and it stirs chaos and conflict within us. In Romans 8, we read these words. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. You see, my friends, when we find ourselves lost, our spirits are at odds with God. We don't submit to God, and we want to, we won't submit to Him because we think that we know better. Let me say that again. The reason we struggle is because we think we're in control. We can do it better. We can do it in a better way, in a faster way. We know what we need. And then we find ourselves in the midst of craziness. Anybody feeling a little uncomfortable? I am. Because I do that every, every so often myself. And then when I'm in the midst of the chaos and I feel like my life is turning upside down, I realize that I've been trying to do it on my own and it was never meant to be that way.
You see, this story is a story of conflict that all of us face. Are we not at war with one another because we think we know what's best? Do we not get in the arguments that we get because we believe that we know what's best for others, for, for the world, for ourselves? What would it look like if we said, God, you're in control. God, I want your wisdom. God, I want your peace. And stop for a minute and listen. And see what God says. I promise you, God will say something. We are a people, my friends, who are struggling to find peace outside of the way that we live. And, and you know what? It's impossible because God's peace comes in the midst of the stuff that we live. It comes in the, in the midst of the relationships that we have. It comes in the midst of all of the tragedy. We can't not have that in our lives, but we need to be depending on the one who is the Prince of Peace. Come, Lord Jesus, come. St. Augustine of Hippo, in a very powerful prayer, once said, Lord and giver of all good things, the Magi traveled for miles to bring the Christ child the first presence. So may we, too, remember with thankful hearts the love, with thankful hearts, the love that comes with each present we open. We also thank you for the love that you have for each of us. And we thank you for the many gifts that you have given us, especially the gift of life itself. May that be our prayer. God, we want more of you. Because as we receive more of you, then we find more hope. We find more peace. You see, the birth of this promised king is the coming of a new world, a new rule. And that rule begins in each of us, each day, in the midst of our hearts. This baby grew up to be a man who offered himself on the cross for as an atonement of sin. It, the story of Christ reorients our hearts and it makes us friends of God. So through though the world may become total chaos around us, we can find comfort and confidence. We can find peace because God was faithful. God is faithful. And because God was faithful and is faithful, we can depend that God will be faithful for all of our needs. So in the midst of it all, we can and will have peace. May it be so.
And you see, the interesting thing was, as I think about today being Communion Sunday, I think about that first Communion Sunday, if you would, that first day that Jesus was with his disciples in the upper room. We call it Passover. It was the, the celebration of Passover. And Jesus came into that room, and what was going on? Everybody was loving each other and lo- patting each other on the back, right? Actually, if you read that story, it said they were at odds with each other. They were yelling and screaming about who was more important and, and who was going to sit where. And in the midst of it, Jesus spoke peace. He spoke peace because he said, it's not about you. And he did it in an interesting, loving way. The Bible said he took off his outer garments and he reached down and began to wash his disciples' feet and said, this is what it's about. It's not about you. It's not about power. It's about being a servant, living out my life my example in the lives of others. It is about finding peace in the midst of all your craziness, y'all. Southern Jesus, sorry. Southern Jesus. (laughs) But in the midst of it all, Jesus spoke peace as he began to tell them the story, not only about how God provided for the people, but how he was going to provide for them in the future. And that story is as real as today as it was then when the Bible said that Jesus took bread. He gave thanks. He gave it to his disciples. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which will be given for you. For your peace, shalom. Take and eat. At the last supper, they had no idea what was going to happen next, but he did. It was a peaceful moment for him to gather with friends, to be able to tell the story, to explain what was going to happen and what he's about to do. They had no idea the chaos that was about to come. My peace I give to you. John 14. Let your hearts not be troubled. Do not be afraid. That is words for all of us. Each and every time that we are fearful. And remember those words this morning as we come and receive this blood of Christ. Shed and given for each one of us in love and forgiveness and to bring peace to our chaos. So we bless these elements now. Let us pray. Gracious God, may this bread and this juice be for us the living reminders, the example of what Jesus did for each one of us. May it be imbued with the Holy Spirit May we be the presence of Christ for a world that is in need of peace more than anything else in the world. And may we who take it this morning also receive that peace to be peacemakers wherever we might go. In Jesus Christ's name, in the power of the Holy Spirit, of the one God forever and forever. And everybody both here and at home said together, Amen. So I invite you this morning, if you're here on site, to be able to come forward as we have, to come by the center sections and receive your communion. Take it back to your seat.
for the side sections, do the exact same thing. Come around and do that. These sections go this way and return this way. As we're also receiving there at home, if you're at home, prepare your juice, your bread, whatever those things might be, and get ready to receive the body and blood of Christ this morning as we gather together. Come forward. Come to the table. It is open. Christ broken and given in love for you and for me to bring us peace. The the blood of Christ shed for you and me in hopes of a new life.
is a typical greeting among Jewish people. Shalom means peace. But it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like we say, hey. It really is a, a, a prayer every time you say shalom. You're saying, peace go with you. Peace is with you. It is, it is a way of saying hello and goodbye all at the same time. It's used at the beginning of a conversation when we meet people. And it's said at the end of a conversation. In a very real way, it's inviting God's presence and peace in the midst of the relationship. Whether it's chaotic or friendly, whether it's happy or sad, it is a, an asking that peace would be there. So my friends, if you feel unworthy of God's peace today, you are worthy. If you feel as if you are going in all kinds of turmoil and there is no peace, stop, breathe, and experience the peace that God promises will be there for you. As you go out into a world that is crazy, speak the word shalom, peace, to them so that they might experience God's peace. And may the grace and shalom peace, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with you, each of you, this day and every day. Go, spread shalom peace. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing the first verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Thank you.